for the two people in the audience who don't know who you are, um, <laughs> just go just go ahead and explain. Tell tell everybody who you are. Sure. Uh, my name is Aiden Mattis. I am. I guess I. I guess I count as a YouTuber now. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so uh, I, I I prefer not to call myself a TikToker when possible. But yeah, uh, right, no, I'm a, right. I was, I'm a, I'm a I was about to say, I <laughs> yeah. was like, I was like, is he gonna openly be like, uh, I made Madison, no, I, I'm I'm a, a TikToker. <laughs> I prefer not to, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm a, I guess I'm a content creator um, and uh, I talk about uh, everything from uh, history to religion and folklore and paranormal uh, occurrences. i um, been interested in that pretty much my whole life. And it's been kind of a wild ride the last year going from being uh, a guy who was entry level in marketing to uh you know, having, having 1.2 million followers on TikTok, uh, it's been, been a wild ride, but I mean, if I could tell, uh, 11 year old Aiden, what he ends up doing when he's in his mid twenties, I think he'd be pretty happy about it. Yeah. I just, I'm like, that's 1.2 million on TikTok is that's just, that's, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's crazy to me too. <laughs> you so think you they would you were, pay better. You said you're a marketing major. No, so I uh, I worked in marketing. I started uh, doing digital marketing and website design, SEO work when I was uh, about 20 years old, was doing it for my dad's company. And then I got out of college and I graduated in May of 2020. So uh, the the job market wasn't exactly vibrant. And, yeah, right, um, yep. you know, I was I was good at marketing. I, you know, knew, knew my knew my way around all the software. I uh, basically just pitched myself to everyone who would listen and ended up getting a job doing that. Um, January of 2021, I uh, decided I wanted to go to grad school. So I went and I, uh, I did, I, I applied, I got into a program in Wales and I was planning to go, but uh, I didn't really expect COVID was going to drag on quite as long as it did. Um, right. I, I thought we'd be looking at uh, the end of it. You know? Right. Um, that was like two weeks to stop the spread, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that didn't happen. And uh, I didn't, want to travel to Wales with things being that uncertain. So I didn't stayed here, uh, took a few classes online at first and then decided, you know what, I'm just going to focus on everything else. I'm going to try and get a job again, move out of my parents' place. Um, you know, uh, I've got a bachelor's degree from Penn state. So I'm, you know, Whoa. it's not like I'm sitting around being all, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's not like I'm, it's not like I have some hunky, like some stupid degree from like, you know, some small college nobody's ever heard of. I've actually got like, yeah, you know, I, I can walk in and have a, a decent, a decent shot uh, in interview processes. But um, for sure. Yeah. That's you know, crazy. it was. Uh, Is Penn State the one where you have to like know somebody to get in or am I thinking about like... <laughs> No, you're thinking you're, you're probably thinking Penn. Um, yeah. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. Penn State's a good school, but it's not it's not an Ivy League. Um, it's uh, I mean, if drinking were an Ivy League thing. Oh, oh hell definitely yeah. Be an hell, Ivy hell, hell yeah. Uh, but uh, no, it was, uh, I got my, my bachelor's of medieval studies, um, bachelor's of arts, in medieval studies. And then I got minors in history, religious studies, classics, nature, Mediterranean studies, and English. Awesome. Um, kind of set me up for this. Uh, and, you know, it was, and people ask me all the time, they're like, where did you learn all this stuff? And I'm like, I learned it five minutes ago. So, <laughs> like, so I was going to just ask. knew how to, I knew how to research. <laughs> so you, you, you got like all these, all these degrees and admit, and you know, all this, all this history essentially. So what, mm -hmm. what job field did you plan on going into after you graduated? I didn't, <laughs> That's um, I did not, I did not get my degree with a, a career in mind. Um, when I finished up 
with college, I was basically looking at, I was like, all right, I want to go and work in the private sector, make some money. I had the marketing stuff. Um, I knew how to do that. I figured, you know what, I'll go do sales or marketing for a little while, save up some money, and then I'll go to grad school. Uh, that's kind of what happened. Um, except I didn't actually go to grad school. Uh, my plan was I was going to be a professor and I would use kind of that job. That job lends itself to a lot of downtime, um, grading papers and whatnot, but, uh, teaching. Um, but what it does give you is, uh, a lot of time to write and what I want to do, uh, what I've been wanting to do my whole life is tell stories and, uh, you know, I want to write a novel. I want to, I've written a couple of scripts for movies and TV, um, nothing sold, but you know, that's kind of what, what I've been wanting to do. And I'm sorry if you hear any coughing coming from behind my dog has decided that now is the time to, but yeah, so the, <laughs> the plan was, the plan was to be a professor, um, use my downtime to write and eventually get a following that way. And then, uh, this whole weird thing happened where I got a whole bunch of followers on TikTok, And, um, I mean, on YouTube, I honestly make about what a professor would make in a year. So <laughs> I was and like, why, why spend saying. all that money to go do that? Right. Yeah. You know? It's funny that you bring it up too, because that was sort of something I was really interested on in asking you and thinking, I would assume he would kind of go into teaching uh, all this history that, you know, um, but now it is also really interesting you saying, the equivalent of what you would be doing and the time that you would be spending on uh, being a professor is about around that same equivalent. Now you just doing it on YouTube and making content about it, which is pretty nuts. So here's, yeah, the, the thing is, if I were to work as hard at uh, making YouTube content as I would as a professor, like if I actually sat down and I, I wrote out a lesson plan for the entire semester and I did hour and a half long lectures, uh, you know, three times a day four five days a week. Like, um, you know, I, at that point, I, I think I would probably almost certainly be making what I would make as a professor, which is mm. again, they don't make a ton of money. Yeah. But I mean, um, it's gotta be cool to be able to have that sort of control over what your, uh, like where your money comes from. Right. It's, it's like, you can choose. Yeah. I know cause my, my, my mom's a teacher. It's not, it's not, she's third grade. It's not the same as being a professor. I'm sure. But I know there there could be uh, some some pretty strong restrictions on what you can sure. teach and how you do it. So, um, for sure. But I think what's what's really interesting is um, so your TikTok page is. I mean, I think that's is it safe to say that's where most of your following is right now. Yeah, that's the the lion's share of it. So um, most of your content is like minute long videos, a little bit more about just like history, like uh creatures or uh uh legends mysteries things like that um mm -hmm. so i think it's what's really cool about tiktok is it basically allows you to give people what is essentially the most interesting parts of what would be a bigger lecture yeah and i think i think it's probably why tiktok is so popular because it's like you know you get it and it's, you get all of what you're looking for in a minute right? yeah people have been um you know it's for for a while now, there's been a trend of uh, attention spans shortening, mm -hmm. um, and I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. Right. But uh, TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, um, you know, they've all they've all caught on. Like you know that yeah, this is uh, people are going to pay more attention 
to a 15 to three, 15 second to three minute video yeah. um, more consistently than they'll sit there and watch entire YouTube videos. And, uh, you know, and that's the thing though, is you sit there and you watch, you know, a few TikTok videos and suddenly it's been 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, but you don't really feel like, because they're all so short, you don't really feel that time passing. And then right. that's how you get sucked into the, the TikTok rabbit hole of being on the app for like three hours when you planned on, you know, right. checking a couple of videos. Um, it's insane, but it works. Uh, and it's, it's kind of, I've gotten to the point where I've started using it for, uh, to almost be more of a commercial for YouTube. Um, TikTok does this weird thing where when you, when you start off, like when they first launched the creator fund was a little bit before I got on there. Um, and it was, you had to have at least 10,000 followers and that's, you know, that was nothing. Um, by the time I was in the creator fund, that was like, you know, I was, I'd blown past that. Um, Humble brag. <laughs> it's not even that. It's just like uh, there were less people in it and the money was so much better. I was making, yeah. when I had, when I had between 50,000 and a hundred thousand followers on TikTok, mm. I was making 20 bucks a day. Wow. Um, pretty convenient. That'll, that'll add yeah. up. That'll add up. For sure. I have 1.2 million now. And I make about a dollar fifty a day. Really, from just from yeah. Tech? So, so that's interesting. I it would it is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so what? So what happened there exactly? The creator fund it just it changed. Is it just more people in it now? That also, I, I think. Assume? I think it's a combination of things. I think first of all, it's uh, it's like you know, uh, it's like a drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. Right. They they give you you know they're like oh you can make like twenty bucks a day. And, and I wasn't getting like millions of views on my videos. I was getting, you know, a couple hundred thousand here and there. Uh, so like you could, you can make like 20 bucks a day and then you create all this content. Cause you're like, Oh, this is, you know, this is awesome. I'm making good money. Like this is worth my time. I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good time. And then they just start tapering it down. Um, anytime you start to, I, I noticed that anytime I'd have a video that would hit uh, over a hundred thousand views, all my other videos would get throttled um for like a day or two i would i just wouldn't get views um and so oh okay i see what you mean yeah it got to the point where it's like they want you to be posting consistently like a couple times a day but right. they're also gonna clock you if you do too well and it's it's just they clearly like backed themselves into a corner where they can't pay what they kind of promised oh uh, right. i see yeah um, i was gonna say i wonder if that might be it because they got yeah because so as the app has gotten bigger more creators are on there and yep through their old um practice they would have had to pay them a lot more money right yeah i can't imagine that they could pay you know the, the probably several thousand of us who have over a million followers um I, I actually don't know the exact number of tiktok users with over a million followers but it's right. it's that's a pretty high number um yeah, you don't I would, see I, I think that's definitely there's there's maybe a little bit more than a hundred yeah i i did not expect at any point to have that many followers you know um i think the like the the number of followers that like the top 30 people have quickly goes down like yeah. it's it, it it cuts real fast and i mean i think it's really cool that a, a page as like such as yours with the kind of content is 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 super successful given that there's no soft core porn on it like there is on the majority <laughs> of other Basically. tiktok pages you know yeah, yeah. It's hard to make a make a a presence, um, you know, without 
doing that kind of thing. There's yeah, right. Because it's it, it they need to they need to prioritize the type of content that gets that like they pay people for and everything. It's just it, it does it's a bit disheartening when you sit there and you're working really hard and you're spending yeah. you know an hour or more a day making your your videos. Um, which when you're working full time and also Twitch streaming and you have a YouTube channel, like to spend an hour or two dedicating that to TikTok, um, and they you know. Obviously, I don't think I'm in a position anymore where it's like, oh, well, maybe people just don't like my content. Like, no, I think people like what I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, eh, like, <laughs> the fact <laughs> that I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm like, all right, I made three dollars yesterday from <laughs> sixty thousand views, and you know, random me. random girl who basically just lip syncs in a bikini, yeah, got three million and probably made like. 60 bucks so that's cool i guess right, right. Um, yeah right. but i mean it's got to be pretty empowering to have made the audience you've you've had um and basically just be educating people the whole time mm-hmm. that's the part i care about honestly um like also i love like i pulled it up and it's you know just looking at some of these articles about like how how many people have more than a million followers and whatnot like there's an article from 2019. The average money that can be earned by a creator who has 1 million followers is over $100,000 per month. Like, no. That's, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> no, that's just wrong. <laughs> I mean, with the, you would need, like, a lot of advertisement, right? I legitimately made more doing DoorDash a couple hours <laughs> a night than oh, I make man, on TikTok. Um, as, a, as a student who works at a supermarket on my off days of college, DoorDash looking real nice. Gonna be honest, if you if you've got a fuel efficient car, it is fantastic. Um, yeah, I love it. I love you it. can make absolutely the same you're gonna make at any job where you're you know working retail or grocery or anything like that, and you get to sit and you get to listen to music. Um, yeah. If you've got a car, there's no reason to not do something like DoorDash. <laughs> uh, so um, if, if you're if you're doing it part time, I, I live in I live in Tampa, uh, Tampa, Florida. It's where my I go to USF over there. And uh-huh. Like the only other part that kind of I'm like mm, maybe I shouldn't is that Tampa is kind of like a Gotham City of Florida. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's just the- do what I do and carry a forty cal. He's totally right. Pull the nine out and go. just you know. There but, we go. <laughs> Uh, so I'm I'm actually interested. So Thomas uh, introduced me to your work and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to step back a little bit. What's going on with you? Um, you said you've been kind of learning about all this um, for as, like since you were very young. Um, yeah. Did someone introduce you to all this, or did, was this something you kind of did on your own? Um, I think the yeah the best answer I can give to that is that I you know growing up obviously you know, kids are into ghost stories and, and whatnot. Uh, my mom was very supportive of me, uh, reading anything that I could get my hands on. So I read, I read books about ghosts and monsters and, uh, things like that. I've always been very into history and fantasy. So it kind of went hand in hand. And, uh, then there was of course TV when I was young, that was kind of the, the glory days of those ghost hunting TV shows, Oh, oh hell yeah. uh, paranormal state, um, taps like those, those groups. Um, and of course there are still TV shows about ghost hunting, but they're generally, all, they're, they're not quite as, <laughs> as fun as they used to be, did, but did you ever see the, the South park episode where they did a, a whole thing about that. I have not. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's like, yeah, there's the, the way they do those shows today is definitely a bit different than they used to back when they first broke out, you know? Mm-hmm. 
in the early 2000s. There was, was yeah. the Wild West. You'd it say really, anything you wanted. Really was. Um, so there, there are particular ones that you really enjoyed, like the ghost stories in particular, or um, any of the folklore at all? So I think what really took me from having a passing interest in, like, you know, thinking exploring haunted houses was cool to what I do now was the TV show Supernatural. Um, My Ah. friends and I started watching it when we were about 12, uh, which was probably five or six years after it actually started airing. But yeah, long series right there. Yeah. Aired for the first time in I think 2005, maybe late 2004. Um, And went until i graduated college <laughs> yeah that's a long time yeah. so yeah it was uh it was a long one but um you know it was i think it was that tv show was what kind of got me to really love this stuff and you know that's really just cool, think though. it was something you could actually explore and um and then i was i was working through i was re-watching and uh i was watching a lot of mr mullen on youtube and i was uh, watching a lot of supernatural on tv and listening to some creepypastas like uh the dark somnium is one of my favorite youtube channels he's so good at what he does um and uh i i would love to have him on my show sometime yeah Um, absolutely but uh yeah so i it was it was kind of it was there was no like spark it was just my my entire life i found this interesting and i continued to research and study and uh at the end of the day you know, one of the things that fascinated me the most was uh, the the missing four and one phenomenon, and you know, uh, the the Native American folk tales about what what's actually out in the woods and and all that. And I just kind of gravitated towards it. I started doing some research on it, listening to it, and um, you know, I guess right place, right time. I made that video about uh, how all Native American cultures seem to have something similar to the Skinwalker, the Wendigo, basically yep. some sort of cannibalistic, um, you know, creature, be that the, the Skinwalker end of things where it's a human who practices witchcraft all the way through to something like uh, Mahaha the Tickler, who is a completely non-human entity that, uh, you know, tickles people to death in Alaska. So uh, but I made a video basically saying, you know, like, it's so interesting how they all have a story about some sort of cannibalistic creature out in the woods, um, you know, and and what what might the government know and kind of that kind of thing. Um, and that's that's the one that really took off and, and went viral. And that's. Yeah, I, I dug in. I was like, you know what, if I if I keep this up, I can I can make this something. And, um, you know, I guess nine months later <laughs> yep, yeah there we go and then your channel was born yeah um, well yeah i think it's the so to your to your point about all in, in american cultures having uh, a form of a wendigo i took a i took a uh, ancient greek history class my mm-hmm. first year of college and the professor told me something that i never really thought about which was um most mythologies have like an achilles figure mm-hmm. right something like a hero that you know can't be beaten except but they got that one weakness Mm-hmm. Or, or they always they die young. Their their hubris is is generally what the um, the main you know point is about those individual stories. Yep. But um, I'm glad you brought up the Wendigo because my my friend Mark here he's he is um ignorant to the Wendosi. Whoa, 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 whoa. I am ignorant to a fault because <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the Wendosi, of course. <laughs> what, is, what is this? <laughs> so why is it? <laughs> uh so that (laughs) 
that one kind of started uh, with one of my one of my followers made a joke about um, like going going to get the windowsy. Uh, <laughs> just the way he made a out. video, and it was just like um, I can't remember exactly what the sound was, but it was like my mind is telling me my no, my mind is telling me no, but my body says yes. <laughs> um, and it was so. It, I, I developed very quickly a cult following of um, like right wing libertarian, <laughs> yeah, paranormal enthusiasts. It's pre- it's pretty funny. It, which it really is. It, it makes sense because like that for me, political political affiliation wise, that is where I am. Yeah. So like, it doesn't surprise me that there were people like me on TikTok. I just did not expect there to be that many of them. Oh my goodness! Or have um, them come out for that that joke in particular yeah what what about Uh, that summoned them you know yeah and they're just like you know talking about getting the one dussy and then that's fantastic you know eventually people just turned anything i said into an ussie yeah (laughs) um i think my my favorite one that i've seen of it is is one of your newer ones where it's like uh some dude in a in a you know military vest like out mm -hmm. here to find to find the window scene you're like even if you get it you're not going to come back exactly (laughs) like you you will get it but uh, (laughs) you won't live to tell the tale oh my god um so i actually i did have a question um it's totally okay if this is too personal or anything but are you are you religious at all yeah i'm a christian okay so i was was christian um I mean, do you, you, you know a lot about these, these mythologies and stuff. And you, ha- um, what do you, do you believe in any of them? Like, do you believe in the Wendosi? Good God. <laughs> this is a very important. I don't, I don't know if I particularly believe in the Wendosi. I don't think that's necessarily attainable. Uh, <laughs> now, now here's the thing. Like, it's not impossible mm, okay. <laughs> that there could be a female wendigo yeah 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 and that um, you could yeah i i but to, to a larger degree though do you do you believe in any of these mythological creatures yeah uh and i mean my belief my belief about some of them is kind of agnostic it's more of a you know yeah i, I wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be like you know averse to this kind of thing believing or believing uh existing um you know i don't necessarily believe in it quite as uh, strongly as my own uh my own faith my you know christianity but uh no i mean i think that there's uh, i'm one of those people who like when i see enough markers of something throughout history in terms of uh storytelling and documentation when you see something repeated enough times you gotta wonder like yeah all right is this is this something that happened and uh my favorite example of this to give people is the flood for years science has been saying there there's no chance that there was a global flood there's it's impossible that there was a flood on a scale that affected the entire planet um but every culture across the world if they're remotely located close to a water source be it a river or a lake or uh, an ocean or a sea doesn't doesn't really matter if they're close to a water source, which almost all ancient civilizations were, they have a flood story. And the common, you know, tale here was, oh, well, they're, they have flood stories, but they're not the same flood story. There's no, you know, they're just, you know, localized floods that yeah. were 
disastrous and far back in history and turned into these legends. And then uh, team of scientists uh, back in the, I believe it was the uh, 2010s, um, did some research on uh, some some ice cores and some other things. I, I'm not a scientist. I don't know exactly how it worked. Point is, they discovered that uh, 11,600 years ago, there was a rapid and to date unexplained rise in the sea level from between 300 and 600 feet of sea level rise, oh, God. which would just drown yeah. anything, anything on the coast and anything within several miles, if not farther of the coast. Mm-hmm. So suddenly that that flood story sounds a lot less like a collection of disjointed, unconnected flood stories and a lot more like humans kept telling the story of that flood for the next, you know, five, 6,000 years until they started writing things down. Yeah, I had, um, I had uh, creation myths are a big part of any like mythology class. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, it, it the, the, the theory I have is that, you know, most of these places, like if you look at any, any, any culture that grew up near that, that, you know, was coming to fruition and near any sort of water source, right. Genuinely, they, they, they're all of their tales are like, yeah, there was a giant flood first. And then, then there was what we are today. And it makes sense, you know, cause back, back then, if there was a flood, it basically destroyed the entire civilization. It wasn't civilization wasn't um, they were they weren't advanced enough to recover from that. I would say. Um, and then there was like in in I forget if it's just China as a whole, but there's a whole thing where they believe that the world was a was a was a desert beforehand, yeah. and something like that. And so it's like yeah, so in, in you know in China they didn't have to worry about floods; they had to worry about sandstorms, and that as well would have probably wiped out their whole civilization when they were just starting. So. I think that's interesting, but there seems to be a really common thing about, you know, a person surviving with, you know, a a bunch of animals, like the, like the tale of Gilgamesh and the tale of Noah. Those are like pretty much identical for the most part. Yeah. There's so many similarities between those two. Um, I want to ask, so, you know, you see, you're you're kind of agnostic to the belief of of these um, mythological creatures and stuff. Is there one particular legend or myth that you're like ah that's real that's gotta be real oh i'm fully of the of the belief that there is something that's living out there in the wilderness um and i i do think that there's a significant chance that the reason we have our national parks is because the government knew about it and figured that was the best way to manage it Mm. um now whether that's uh, that was weird what you two just did. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so we are actually mythological creatures as well. This is this is we got you. This is yes. our plan, right? <laughs> the whole time. This is this is a setup. We um, are the Wendosi. <laughs> but yeah, I think I I think that there are definitely things we don't understand um about the world. And I think that one of those things is definitely what's going on in the national parks uh with you know all these restricted areas and people who go missing and the national park service stonewalling any attempt to uh privately investigate these disappearances Mm -hmm. so i think that of of everything i've ever heard that's kind of one of the most compelling things now i'm not saying that there's you know that i know what it is but 
I think that the the evidence would suggest that there's something we don't totally understand going on. Um, and I, I don't see a, a way that some of these missing 401 cases happen without, uh, you know, supernatural involvement. Like there's, yeah. there's, I don't see an explanation for how uh, Garrett Bardsley disappeared in That's- a boulder field. No, nobody heard him scream. All they found was a sock. You know, he had people within That's- sight of him at all times. He just disappeared. That's what I was going to ask, actually. Can you uh, kind of go in some detail on like some of the ones that you know in there that like sure are really interesting i'm kind of interested as far as like which ones it give us give us a hot conspiracy theory yeah give us one that you re- that really like you, you always think about kind of sometimes in there uh tom messick tom messick is one of the ones i talk about a lot uh he disappeared in i believe 2015 um that a week before thanksgiving um 2015 and he was on a hunting trip in a part of new york that he and his sons and their family friends hunted for decades uh like you know they knew they knew that land you know they knew they knew what what it was supposed to sound like what it was supposed to look like how much how many deer should be there like these were experienced hunters they knew what they were doing um they go out one one morning and they set up the the older men the, the older generation set up uh all the four of them 100 yards apart and at the bottom of a hill and the three younger ones, the, uh, the, their sons of that generation went around this, uh, this, this hill basically. And their plan was that they were going to drive any game towards the older men so that the older men could take the shot. Um, and Tom Messick was, I think 82 is deaf in one ear, like half blind. Like the, the guy was, you know, not, yeah, he, he wasn't going anywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, he, he was going to stay wherever they put him. Um, he was still mobile, still functional, just yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, he yeah. wasn't he wasn't in a position to, like, go off hiking alone and get very far. Right, 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 right. Um, and, you know, experienced hunter, very cautious. So they were out there for, I think, if I remember correctly, about three or four hours. And the one thing they all reported was that it was dead quiet the entire time. No rustling in the branches, no crunch of leaves, nothing. They heard nothing. They didn't even see a squirrel. They were like, there, there, there were no game, no, no squirrels, like no sounds. It was dead quiet. And then uh, they all reported hearing a noise, or a, a bunch of them reported hearing a noise they couldn't quite describe. One, the one guy who did give it something said it sounded kind of like a car door slamming, but not really. Um, and then they, you know, went back to to get up into the car and go back to their campsite and hunt around the campsite for a little bit. And when they all got back, Tom was nowhere to be found. And they went off looking for him. They, you know, went all through the night searching for this guy who, again, like this is a, for example, to get down the two mile road that they had to get down to get to their hunting spot from their campsite. Two miles took them 12 minutes. Yeah. So they're, you know, they're not driving very fast. This is not, you know, easy terrain by any stretch. And there was, uh, I think they spent a couple of days searching for him before an official investigation was launched. Um, And without anybody calling them in, the FBI showed up. Oh, damn. FBI does not get involved in adult missing persons cases unless they are uh, extremely high profile. 
and like likely abductions across state lines. Otherwise it's at the request of the local authorities or if it's a very high profile person. Um, they don't show up to look for an 82 year old man who went missing on a hunting trip, especially without being asked. Uh, so it was just so quick, you know, like they immediately hopped onto this case and they had hundreds, if not thousands of volunteers, uh, search and rescue sheriff's department, um, state park rangers, FBI, everyone involved in this search for Tom. And they never found him, never found any of any of his belongings, never found his clothes, never found his gun. Um, no body parts, just totally vanished into thin air. Um, and you know, the, there's enough things there that just scream cover up to me. Uh, and you know, maybe a little conspiracy minded. Sure. But, uh, you know, I don't think that, I don't think it's weird to look at that case and say something's off about this. For sure. That's fascinating, man. That was riveting. That was really cool. Yeah. So, um, I mean, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I, I was kind of asking. Yeah. Well, I think something took him. Yeah, Damn, no, I, I agree. That's great. And let, let me give you a couple other ones here that have to do with the, the Tom Messick case. Um, there was another guy, Fred Drum, who went missing a week later on Thanksgiving. Um, guy went for a walk out in the woods um, alone. His wife was not home. He just, you know, he just went out for a walk. And uh, when she came home later that night, he wasn't back. She didn't know where he was. She couldn't reach him. And they went and launched a full-scale investigation, moved a lot of the searchers from the Tom Messick search down uh, where Fred Drum was. And he was only like 40 minutes south, if that, of where Tom Messick went missing up by uh, Brant Lake, New York. And he was never found. None of his belongings were ever found. Uh, if I remember correctly, they found like some footprints along a trail, but nothing that suggested a struggle. Uh, and then on top of that, um, a girl on TikTok, uh, her name's Destiny, she posted a video last summer about how she kept hearing weird noises around the cabin she was working. She was living on a cabin, working on a farm, um, and she kept hearing weird noises and stuff was getting dropped on her uh, her porch, and she would hear knocking on the windows and, you know, screaming from the forest and, you know, sounds from right outside the door. And just said she was generally kind of freaked out about it. She recorded throughout the night, you know, and, and I listened to the, the playback and I went through and I looked up every possible animal that could live in that area, could not find a single one that matched the sound. Um, and then she also said she had found trails of bones in the forest uh, and things that, that looked that, like that's almost never good things that looked like they had been set up by humans. Also said that some of the neighbors had been a little bit weird and apparently uh, some really rough stuff had happened on the property, um, you know, years back. I think somebody had been murdered or something. Okay. Um, and she, we had her on my show and uh, she kind of talked us through the whole experience. And I got to say, I was at a loss. I couldn't think of a single, a single thing that could be. There were just a bunch of possibilities. Um, so... But but the thing is, like, this is all within that same area of New York, you know? Very interesting, man. That is really cool. No, I, yeah, I, for those, there's only yeah. one way to find out what that was. We're, we're taking a trip. Yeah. Well, and we need <laughs> well that's the thing. You need the legend himself. <laughs> he so so legend. my my co-host and I, his name's also Aiden, 
Um, nice. I love it. I love yeah, it. He and I were going to go up to her cabin. Uh, trip ended up not happening just because of some, some personal reasons. Um, but I, we never ended up making the trip and she's actually moving out of that cabin. Um, I mean, check in with her. Uh, but we know where these disappearances happened now. And there's a pretty, you can kind of triangulate almost what's been going on up there. So we definitely want to go up and check it out and investigate and see how the woods make us feel. But, uh, you know, with the, with the Tom, the, the Tom Messick case is the one that's the most compelling there. Um, Destiny hasn't seen anything, you know, or like with her own eyes, she's heard things, but she hasn't seen any sort of creature or whatnot. Right. Uh, Tom was, you know, either decided to walk off into the woods and never be seen again much more efficiently than any 82 year old should be able to do. Right. Or he was taken with almost complete silence. I, uh, you know, again, only thing that anybody heard was the sound of something slamming and there were no tracks to indicate that a car had come up. Uh, they would have heard it. Like there was just no, no way that he was abducted by people. Um, you know, th- there was just no sign of it. Um, Dang. Wow. That's so the, the thing is like, what, what could do that? Yeah. Cause and without him screaming, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I think what's really cool about some of the stories that you've been able to work with and, and find uh, history about is the fact that, like, I personally get a little freaked out sometimes hearing these stories because I'm like, <laughs> man, these things are insane. Like, anything with horror or anything like that definitely is, like, it is just so insane that stuff like that happens. And I think it's definitely very real that these things happen because they're just like the world is so big and we're so small in these cases, especially in these scenarios that happen. So I mm-hmm. love that you have all this detail because like, man, like if you were, if we were in a campfire with Aiden, I don't know if I can make it through the night. I'd probably yeah. disappear myself. <laughs> yeah, I swear. I, I don't know who I could trust now. It's crazy, but it's really cool. And so what's cool to me about you saying all these stories is like, is this something kind of you might want to do in the future yourself? Because you said mention about like, you know, re- uh, reading and, and watching ghost stories and um, supernatural and stuff. This sounds like something you would be kind of cool, like as far as like field work. Oh, absolutely. I would love to. That would be absolutely. The, the only reason I don't is money. Um, no, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. If you ever need a photojournalist, you know, hit me up. Yeah. And I'm uh, like, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a broadcast news student. So, yeah. And what, and what, and yeah. And honestly, like what, what we really love so far is like, we've never had anyone on the show with this sort of knowledge and man i mean we could hear these stories for days i love that you guys have your own show and you kind of dictate these stories as well because i feel like these should be talked about more they're really you know really cool and really fascinating especially the modern ones i feel like yeah. that's more of the creepier ones just because like is there any particular ones besides that one like is there any tales do you because i have actually never heard of tales that have been made within the last 20, 30 years. Mostly like, are yeah, all like newer legends. Yeah, you know, is there anyone mm-hmm. in particular that you've known that that that, that you found? Because I've never really heard any in the last, you know, I would say what, hundred Co- years? Couple decades. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Cause like I don't really know what what would be out there. Do you know by sure. any chance? Yeah. So uh I mean there's there's definitely a lot. Um I think it would be more of like human cases if that if, if anything I was I would assume. Yeah. There's uh there's stuff that's been given new names, but that's that's kind of what the thing is here, though, though, is like there's not a ton of new stuff that pops up. It's old stuff that gets renamed. And then you talk oh. to somebody who's in their 80s or 90s. and They're like, oh, we used to have a story like that. It was about this. 
Um, and you just kind of, the more you talk about it, the more you realize every generation has their version of this and it goes back thousands of years. And that's why, that's what I think is so fascinating about some of these stories and why, and my favorite ones tend to be those kinds of stories where you can go back 2000, 3000 years and find people who were scared of the exact same thing that people 50 years ago were scared of. Um, so you got to wonder like, you know, how, how many generations have to experience this before you go, all right, you know, maybe there's something out there that we don't understand. Yeah. And we've become more skeptical as a society uh, over the past 50 years. Um, you know, it's, and I think it's to an extent arrogance that people think that they uh, understand everything and that just because there's no evidence of something yet means that it's impossible that it ever existed. Uh, for a long time, there were stories about Troy and the, common consensus was, well, you know, it seems like Troy wasn't real, like Troy never existed. And then, uh, who was it? Heinrich Schliemann, I think, uh, ended up finding it. It was a real place, yeah. real city. Was, wow. Yeah, like the story of like the Trojan War and everything. I think wow. for, for the longest That's time, we, we just never thought it, it happened. But um, yeah, like I said, new evidence. That's so cool. So I got... uh, one of my, oh, there's, there is one that I can give you here. Uh, and it's not quite as paranormal, but it oh, is. Absolutely. It is confusing. Um, Gebekli Tepe in Turkey. It's a, a the, the name of the site means pot-bellied hill. There is uh, what is, and you can look it up on on Google Maps for yourself. Uh, but there's essentially a it's essentially a perfect circle of a mound. Um, and under it, they discovered uh, I wouldn't go so far necessarily as to call them buildings, but structures uh, that we're not sure of their exact purpose the more they're excavating, the more context it's giving um, for, you know, what, what was in the center where they first started digging. More people. Um, and they're, fa- they're finding things that suggest that, you know, maybe, maybe this was an agricultural settlement. And then in the middle, there was this structure, but the structure was deliberately covered. Th- this is a man-made wow. hill. It's a, it's a 10,000 year old man-made hill. Yeah. But it is a man-made hill. That's um, And underneath the hill are, monuments that are they're megaliths i uh, think like stonehenge um that are basically these vertical stone monuments uh that have that first of all are far too heavy to have been lifted with any known technology of the time but also they have carvings on them that depict animals native to regions very far from turkey uh, you know, Africa, the, the Middle East, um, India, you know, just from all over the place that, you know, we're like, wait, how, huh? Like, yeah, <laughs> how yeah. did they know what that looked like? And, uh, you know, this is a site that dates back to, uh, its construction dates back to about 11,600 years ago, which you'll, you'll note is about the time of that, uh, that flooding event I talked about. Yeah. Um, that, that glacial melt, meltwater pulse one B and, so you've got Gebekli Tepe, which was built 11,600 years ago, has the world's first north, perfectly north-south aligned structure. Uh, and that's, um, I believe, astronomically north-south, not magnetic north-south. Um, and then as you move out from the central structure into the later ones, the north-south alignment changes, but it's still perfect for where the North Star would have been at the time it was built. So what that implies is that these people had a rather advanced understanding of astronomy for 
living 11,600 to 10,000 years ago. Um, and then on top of that, Plato's account of Atlantis, which has for the longest time been, oh, that's just allegorical. Um, mm -hmm. It's a story that he made up. And, you know, the the part about a city which sank beneath the waves is based on Akrotiri um, or Thera. And, you know, this is, you know, it's a great story, but it, it's just a story. Then they discover that there was this flooding event. Um, and what's interesting about it is that Plato places the sinking of Atlantis 9,000 years before the time of his ancestor, Solon. Solon heard the story from the Egyptians, supposedly. And Plato says this is a story that was handed down by his ancestors to him. Um, so it's an oral tradition, which very easily could be a cop-out of him just explaining why nobody else has ever heard of this. But it could also be an actual reason that he, he has the information he has. And he says that Atlantis sank beneath the waves 9,000 years before the time of his ancestor, Solon. Now, Solon lived around the year 600 BC. Uh, it is now around the year 2000 AD. So uh, that is... 2,600 years ago, and then 9,000 years before his time would have been 11,600 years ago. 11,600 years ago, Gobekli Tepe was built, and 11,600 years ago, the sea level rose about 300 to 600 feet. Wow. Son of a bitch. All the how, how did Plato know that? Yeah, Plato doesn't strike me as a liar, too. He does a lot of parables and dialogues and fictionalized conversations. But they all, you know, this is this is something where, like, he says this is history. He yeah. says this happened. Now, I will say, he does also add in that uh, Athens survived an attack by the Atlanteans, um, you know, a, a long time ago, this ideal republic. So he uses Atlantis as a rhetorical device, for sure. But what seems more likely to me is that he heard this story from his ancestors and then applied it yeah. to his rhetoric and his dialogues. That's what I would say. That's what makes sense to me. That, yeah. So that's crazy. I didn't even know about that, that new stuff that. Yeah. And it's, and I'm not going to say that there's like archeological evidence that Atlantis was real. Yeah. No, but there is archeological evidence that, cool. that humans that. were, humans were building things, um, structures that, we we for the longest time said it was not possible for a pre-agricultural society to build these things um yeah. because you wouldn't you wouldn't have the surplus uh food to have a larger population that didn't need to be working the fields so you don't see megalithic architecture before agriculture anywhere else in the world amazing amazing uh, you know but this I one spot I think um, I think we found the modern Indiana Jones. For, man. Yeah. We really found it. <laughs> yeah, it took us a while, but we got him. I've we got, got I've got like a, a two part question for you. So the first part is, what do you think is the best rendition of a mythological creature or event in like Ooh. film? And what do you think is the worst interpretation of that in film? That's good. Of the the Wendigo specifically? Oh no, no, no. just just <laughs> like any just like... any any mythological creature or any sure. event. Like, what do you think is the best interpretation of any one of those? And what do you think is and the what's worst? What's the worst? Yeah. Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Um. Hmm. Let's see. Uh. My, yeah, my, it's definitely tough. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I know my girlfriend's been making me watch Twilight recently, and I feel mm -hmm. like that those movies kind of take all the fun parts of a vampire out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
as far I'll answer worst first because that one's kind of a lot easier. Um, as much as I I am pained to say it, uh, Supernatural, yeah, <laughs> and their depiction of Nephilim. Um, I, I don't want to. I won't give any spoilers, but just god awful, not accurate to the lore. Um, yeah, yeah, leaving the terrible writing from seasons eleven and twelve aside, um, just not accurate uh, to what these things are described as looking like and we get very deliberate descriptions of them from uh the book of enoch which is not uh canonical in the bible it is it is um considered um not quite fan fiction but it's basically like take this with a grain of salt um but yeah so in in enoch these are beings that are described as being uh like thousands of feet tall, which is definitely an exaggeration of the oral tradition because in Genesis they're mentioned and they're not thousands of feet tall. Um, in Genesis, we have older copies. So we know that Genesis came first. Um, but you've got these creatures that are described basically as being, um, you know, these mighty men. They're, they're just bigger, stronger men who are the uh, offspring of angels and human women. And, the supernatural version you just get like this dorky kid who happens to have supernatural powers and it's just not like it's like a discount harry potter um but uh as far as best goes um there was i mean not necessarily best but what i liked was the ritual um, oh, yes. they did a really good job with the, the monster from that, which they made up. That was yes. not, that's not an actual Norse. That's the, you know, um, cause that's the way they're, they're like, it, it, the monster's like Loki, right? They say that at the end of the movie. It's one of the children of Loki. Yes. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a young self. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, that one was really good. Um, I will say the supernatural episode about the Wendigo is phenomenal. Wow. Um, they did such a good job with that. Uh, the descent phenomenal horror movie um not necessarily i mean they created their own lore so that that was a good one um i did not like antlers Ooh. did not uh, like antlers what about you like, you like was it a a24 like stu- studio a24 stuff here's the thing about antlers specifically for me um they lean in very hard. They're making a very like deliberate political stance, which is fine. Go ahead and do that if you want in your movie. But if your stance is going to be uh, Native Americans need to be, you know, respected and their cultures are important and sacred and whatnot, uh, then you should probably get their folklore right. Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah that, absolutely. That kind of so don't don't make a movie that's talking about, you know respecting native american culture and and lands and rights and then bastardize their folk monsters you know yeah um the, you know the the wendigo of ojibwa of algonquin lore is not a giant creature with a deer skull and you don't like you know in a, in a heart that you have to rip out and set on fire now there are versions of the story where that is the way to kill it is that you rip out its heart and set it on fire but there's other other explanations as well, other versions of it, but all of them, every single one of them describe the same thing in terms of appearance uh, with variations for size. 
but uh, they all describe a um, emaciated, gaunt, pale, uh, hairless, um, humanoid creature with superhuman strength and speed that can mimic human voices. And, um, you know, if it screams, then and it sounds close, then it's actually far. If it screams, it sounds far, it's actually close. Uh, and some of these get crossed between Wachuge and Wendigo and Skinwalker as you move throughout the country, um, you know, d- depending on which tradition you're looking at. But, uh, you know, the, they're all described as having very similar appearance, you know, with these, uh, sometimes they have glowing eyes, um, but, you know, they're missing lips and toes and they appear frostbitten and, and things like that. And Antlers was just like, yeah, it's uh, it's got a fucking deer skull. When the Wendigo inevitably comes after me yes how do i defend myself what do we do uh fire fire is the answer to that question so they're um, afraid of fire fire they, they will catch on fire if you oh they're, oh, okay, you, so they're, they're super flammable yes oh. uh they're described as having papery skin perfect i mean found it but so like so, so like so like steak for the heart no i'm not gonna do it no uh so here's here's the deal with them uh super fast the likelihood that you are going to see it before it sees you slim to none. Um, and then on top of that, you know, they tend to hunt in their territory where they're in their element. They're not, they don't come, you know, after you, they don't come after man-made things uh, traditionally. So this is something that you're going to have trouble with if you're like camping in the woods, like it actually wild camping, um, not camping on, a campsite but i uh, yeah the, the answer is fire um and if there are here and there you'll hear like oh cedar wood or sage or stuff like that um white ash pops up a lot with skinwalkers and wendigos um seems like maybe that's a, a thing they're vulnerable to is white ash um but probably wouldn't kill them but we find uh burials for example that have um you know the the people being buried were covered in white ash um, so it seems to be kind of a ward almost or a way to like uh, weaken something is if you cover it in white ash, it, it can't move maybe. Um, and, and this is a lot of these are closed cultural practices that uh, Native Americans won't necessarily talk to you about. Uh, and it varies depending on who you talk to. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's basically stay indoors if you uh, if if you think you're being hunted by one and, uh, you know have a, a way to light it on fire. Most of these stories uh, from the natives that involve them actually killing these things, it's either like a heroic warrior or it's a, a posse where they go and they basically like track it to its lair, wait for it to go in. And then they like light it on fire. Um, you know, there's also a story about uh, the, the red haired giants that some of the native Americans claim to have dealt with in the past. Uh, and these were like these cannibalistic creatures that were eight to 10 feet tall. They were red haired. Um, and one of the stories involves them going to the giant's lair and then setting the entrance on fire with brush. And, uh, then when the creatures tried to rush out, they would shoot them with arrows. Um, and they ended up suffocating in this, in the smoke. So, Lots of different stories, lots of different ways, but the one prevailing aspect of all of this is fire. Aiden, my friend, where can everyone find you and see all your all your stuff? 
I'm very easy. Uh, you can look up the Lore Lodge on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, or you can also follow me on my uh, my personal socials. Um, I don't post a ton on the Lore Lodge uh, TikTok account or Instagram, but um, there's a lot more content on my TikTok, my Instagram. Those are both the Aiden Mattis, just like uh, you know, you know, basically everything I have is is either the Aiden Mattis or the Lore Lodge. Um, and uh, YouTube is probably the, the place where the most interesting stuff is. I mean, it's a little cliche, but honestly, just don't give up. Um, you know, if you find something interesting and it's something you want to talk about, then talk about it, keep researching it, keep studying it. And, you know, I'm not going to make anybody a promise about getting an audience, but at the very least, you'll have something outside of your your school and your work that you'll be able to focus on and enjoy and um, that's probably been the most important part of it for me is that, you know, this is something that doesn't feel like work to me. Um, you know, I get to sit down and research what happened to, uh, the lost colony of Roanoke and then make a video about it that thousands of people are going to see, um, and enjoy. And I get to, you know, sit back and relax and know that I've entertained people for at least 20 minutes, um, whether I make money for, from it or not. And I think that that's been a pretty incredible experience and I never would have expected any of it, but I'm real glad that I just kept talking. I'm Aiden Madison. This has been the power of four. to go bait because mark can also <laughs> i yeah that's what that's what my other that's what other aiden's for he's the bait ah. <laughs>